Hello and welcome to the um, Movie Bunker podcast uh, with myself, Matt. It's me, Chris. Hi, Chris. <laughs> Hi. All right. Yes. It's weird today because we're in separate bunkers. So what's happened? Have you been let, kept kept in your bunker for some bad behaviour or what's happened? Yeah, they won't let me out of the bunker because of the um, because of the illnesses. <laughs> I'm like Bubble Boy now. I have to live only only within the bubble. Do you want to describe for people that maybe have not listened to the podcast before what we do here and why the hell we do it? Why the hell we do it is a question I ask myself most weekends, but uh, when I'm editing in the tenth hour. But um, essentially, we want to explore the dungeons of film to find or to view critically panned films, essentially ones that have done very badly in terms of their critique from professional critics. I guess the goal is to find something that actually we both enjoy watching and that we can celebrate, removing it from the bunker and uh, rejoicing forevermore. And then... Finding something better to do with our time. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, so we always wanted to just find that golden nugget that everyone said, that film's rubbish. And then we watch it and go, actually, no, it's not. It's got these severally great merits. The more yeah. we do this, it's more, <laughs> less and less a possibility. Anyway, today's film is Ghosts of Girlfriends Past. Here's the trailer. Good morning, Connor. Versace is on one. Okay. One, two, three... You're ravishing. Kiki, Nadja, Charlize, it's not going to work out for us. Tell me you're not breaking up with me on a conference call. Don't listen to these ladies. They are crazy. Connor, we can still hear you when you cover the camera, you know. I'm psyched you came. I didn't think you were going to make the rehearsal. Yeah. Connor Mead. Jenny Parati. If you do anything to detract from her wedding, I will sneak into your room in the middle of the night and cut off your favorite appendage. And the first part sounds nice. This is going to be tougher than I thought. (laughs) I'm here to warn you, kid. Tonight, you're going to be visited by three ghosts. Uncle Wayne, you're dead. Whatever happens to you tonight is for your own good. Now we're talking. Hi, Connor. (laughs) Who are you? Oh, I'm like the ghost of girlfriend's past. I can take a look. I'm going to take you back through all your past girlfriends. We dated for two days. For an hour? For 48 seconds. Oh, my God, it's Jenny. Hey. Watch this move. Watch this move. And we'll go out. We'll have a little dinner. What do you say? We got to button you up. You look like a gay pirate. <laughs> this is the moment you truly fell in love with Jenny. You completely let her in. So you did what you do best. You left. From New Line Cinema. I'm sorry about us. Now I played out. You're actually apologizing, aren't you? What if you could relive your past? I'm gonna keep it forever. I don't think I said that. I'm gonna keep it forever. Okay, I get it. What if you could listen in on the present? When I see him again, and I am just right back to where I was before. What if you could change the future? Pictures of you. No, 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 no. You're supposed to be with me. She was always supposed to be with me. What we used to be. No, no! Matthew McConaughey, Jennifer Garner, and Michael Douglas. I can't believe it. You kept it. Ghosts of Girlfriends Past. As the film began, I made a prediction to my wife, my wife, and, and my prediction to my wife is the same as the old any trope of rom com. I said, "Look, here we go. Here's a man. He will find a woman. Um, they will uh, hate each other initially. Then they will uh, fall in love through um, deceit or some other reason. Um, there will be a revelation of deceit, and there will be um, a voyage of self discovery, and then." a reconciliation of some form. The only thing I can say that was good about this is that wasn't entirely true about this film. Um, this film was slightly surprising in its its rom-comness format. Yeah, I would say it was more of a, a, a comedy, misogynistic romp um, <laughs> without the comedy element. I'll just go through the, the, the quick plop synopsis for the listeners. So there's two. I'll read out... The long one, uh, because I think it gives a little bit... I don't think this is written by the official 
I don't think either plot synopsis that you can find on IMDb, which is where we get the majority of the information from, is actually written by the studio. I don't know why they they couldn't put words to paper to describe the film they were releasing. I don't. Anyway, this this one is uh, this sort of explains it for everybody. So Connor Mead, a successful fashion photographer, and Lothario. Keen on casual sex, goes to his younger brother's wedding to convince him not to marry. He arrives at his dead uncle's estate during the rehearsal the night before the wedding, taking his brother aside, trashing marriage. Later in the men's room, his uncle, who taught Connor, actually, going to stop there, Matthew, because it's yes. written so poorly. It is. That's a poorly, poorly written one. The, the short one, because this can be described, this film can be described incredibly quickly in the plot synopsis as just being the Christmas carol but with people fucking each other a lot in it. Well, yes. <laughs> it's, it's the weirdest concept. Well, actually, it's a concept. <laughs> it's the weirdest for, concept. It, it's a concept for a film. Actually, on paper, it's, it doesn't sound that bad. But what I, what I, I don't, don't understand, because it's a, it is essentially, it's, it is, um, you know, Scrooge, it's the, it's the story of Christmas Carol, you know, a man receives a visitation from a ghost, Promising three ver- three you know, future visitations from ghosts about amending their ways, um, a ghost of the past, a ghost of the present, and a ghost of the future. In the first sort of ten minutes, we're introduced to um, Matthew McConaughey's character of Connor, and ugh. yeah, <laughs> I mean, it, 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 he's not likable in any way. No. He comes across as a proper slimer. Yeah, he's a slimy, womanizing, misogynistic a hole. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and then, but there, yeah. But, and there are women falling at their feet to just be around him and to get boned by him, aren't they? Basically, yeah, that's the thing. It's it's, it's not like the uh, I mean, uh, whilst watching this, you kind of go, look, in in this kind of day and age, you think it's a bit much to have just these uh, male characters running around, you know. But there's no deceit involved. This is, this is the only kind of um, redeeming factor is that. Everybody is fully on board with what's going down. You know, he's not sort of promising these people that he's going to marry them or see them in the morning or even remember their name. He's he's not promising anything of the sort. And and the women that he's going with are, are, are buying into this. They're, they're not being uh, they're not being sort of what's the word I'm looking for? They're not being abused or exploited in any way. They're like, no. that's that guy I want to, I want a bone for a night. Off I go. They're being exploited in terms of the cinema <laughs> and, and their representation, <laughs> representation on, on, on film. Um, but yeah, yes. the, the, the premise of the film and, and his character, as you say, is that his cards are well and truly on the table. His cock is on the table. Uh, essentially, and um, <laughs> yeah, constantly. <laughs> yeah, they they they, they all want a piece of. Uh, so, all right, all right, all right. Yeah. So um, before we get too much further into uh, this horror show, um, the cast, crew, and director, uh, we should probably touch on. So uh, as I mentioned, Mister Mahoney um, leads up, and then you got uh, Jennifer Garner. Uh, Michael Douglas is in this also. Um, Anne Archer, Emma Stone. Um, I didn't know she was in this at all. That was no. like a bit of a surprise. It must have been quite an, an early role. Um, and then a couple of other people you kind of recognise. Um, Brecklin Mayer, you recognise from sort of road trip type movies. I seem yeah. To um, the, uh, Anne Archer, you touched on, was uh, would have been the, uh, Michael Douglas's other half in uh, the famous uh, psycho film. What's it called? Based, uh, no, the other one, the bunny boiler. Oh, fatal attraction, fatal attraction, yes. Fatal attraction. So that's where I recognize her from, and uh, yeah, obviously, Michael Douglas is the this the ghost, uh, or the main He's the ghost, the main ghost, I guess, or Ebenezer Scrooge character, right? No, um, yeah, he'd be he'd be he'd be Marley, I guess, Marley, Marley, yeah. So, yeah, Matthew McConaughey or Connor Mead is the uh. Ebenezer Scrooge character, yeah, Jennifer Garner so. playing this kind of um, old flame. Um, Emma Stone yeah. is the uh, first ghost that visits him, like the ghost of Christmas past, would you say? Yeah. Or the ghost of girlfriends past, and then you get a couple of other girlfriends <laughs> along the way. <laughs> so you get like the present girlfriend, which turns out to be his, um, like his uh, PA, and, yeah. and then you get 
the one at the end, which is the, the, the typical kind of silent ghost that just basically shows him what life's how shit life's going to be uh, if he carries on his womanizing ways. But I was quite surprised with the, the director. Yeah, well, I mean, this is definitely his thing. His this is his uh, schlock. But he's uh, the big film, which I think everyone would probably say was pretty good. Was was a hundred days of summer. Five hundred days of summer. Exactly. That's what I said, right? Of his, his, his original short of a. <laughs> <laughs> but he made it was a prequel, wasn't it, to Five Hundred Days of Summer? <laughs> yes, yeah, so, yeah. He does. He does do. Um, he does do sort of romantic stuff. Uh, so you got like Five Hundred Days of Summer. Then we've got uh, actually, no, there's a, there's a fair old mix in there. Mean Girls, yeah. Spiderwick Chronicles, Mister Popper's yeah. Penguins. I mean, I guess he fell in love with his penguins. That's a good yeah, film. But Bad Santa Two. I can't really remember Bad Santa 2. I'm sure I must have watched it. And uh, Cheerle- Cheerleader Death Squad. So, you know. Cheerleader Death Squad. Cheerleader Death Squad. So, yeah, it's, it's weird. I, I wasn't. I didn't expect um, good films. I have to admit, after watching this film, I didn't expect good films in this guy's list. Um, but, yeah, 500 Days of Summer is probably my one of my favourite uh, rom-coms because it's, it's a real anti-rom-com. I, and maybe this is the, 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 the burgeoning blossoms of that in this film of the sort of anti-rom-com because yeah it doesn't really follow like I say the the, the same tropes because it, it does follow just basically um, a Christmas carol but it, at, a, at a wedding yeah and his uh, not redemption but his uh, he's sucked out of his uh, shitty ways <laughs> I think uh, he's sucked out quite a few times in this yeah, film <laughs> probably the wrong analogy to use but he's He's released from his uh, the mindset that, that marriage is shy. And in fact, I've got a really good clip of this, his wedding, pre-wedding speech that he does for the meal the yes. night before. To me, marriage is an archaic and oppressive institution that should have been abolished years ago. All right, and love, <laughs> all right, it's magical comfort food for the weak and the uneducated. Yeah, it makes you feel all warm and relevant, but in the end, love leaves you weak, dependent, and fat. Yeah, that might not make the best toast. Are you saying I'm fat? No. No, 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 sweetie, sweetie. He's he's, he's being funny, I, I think. Better hold your next words real close, Paco. Believe me, all right? For Paul's sake, I wish I could believe in all this crap. I do. And I also wish I could believe in the Easter Bunny, uh, the Missile Shield, and strippers with a heart of gold. Right, but unfortunately, I am condemned to see the world as it really is and love Love is a myth. Oh, good. Because I was afraid you were going to make a really long, cynical speech. Truth hurts, baby. I know we talk about this, uh, like in uh, in our other podcasts. You know, we talk about how um, nearly all the films we watch have fantastic homes in them and stuff. Um, and yeah. the other thing I've noticed um, about American films is the weddings are always lavish, and the rehearsal thing. I don't get. Mm. The need for a rehearsal for something where you basically repeat exactly what someone else just says after they say it. I mean, there's no there's no skill involved. There's no you know. It's not like you got to you know remember some dance moves and stuff. Even though you know people these days do overly <laughs> romantic bullshit that make the rest of the male population look like twats. Um, mm. Yeah, so you don't have any of that, but yeah, this this isn't the only film that has this. There's, there's, and it just seems mental the money they must spend these people mm. on these weddings, just basically to have a fake wedding before the mm. actual wedding. And this is like where that clip came from: is that during during the fake wedding, they they do they they have he has that speech um, before the the real wedding. Um, yeah, like a wedding breakfast rehearsal, if anything, isn't it? They're all sat yeah, down. Yeah, which is which is where he first sees um, Michael Douglas in the bogs. Um, That's right. Have a piss, um, yeah. and yeah, tells him to amend his ways. Well, Michael um, Michael Douglas's character is is as you say, is the uh, um, Bob Bob Marley uh, uh, compared <laughs> not Bob Marley Marley. Mar- <laughs> it's not the Bob Marley. <laughs> Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't come out singing reggae because <laughs> I think that would have been a strange choice for this film to go down. <laughs> but to be to be honest, actually, the, the the song, the lyrics to "No Woman, No Cry" would be a fit, 
quite a good. It'd be a lovely fit for this film. Because he's what he's saying, isn't it? Without a woman, no cry. Anyway, he was his mentor growing up as a kid. We looked after him as his, his, his parents were killed, was it right? So he was looked yes. after by his uncle? Yeah, he was his uncle. So he kind of looked after his younger brother, which is why his younger brother dotes on him. And then he was sort of like... Um, he had this is the the, the where the, the sort of the first ghosts comes along. Emma Stone comes along, serves him his first kiss, and then his goes to the prom, um, and then he bottles asking someone out, and then he goes out with his with then his weird leery <laughs> uncle takes him to a pub and basically shows him how to chat up women, and that was it. That was for, that was him for the rest of his life. He was like, this is what I want to do. I just want to go and uh, and bang chicks. And it's very, very dated. In, in in, I know it's not even that old. When was it made? Two thousand and four. Yeah. And and I guess in terms of movies, I guess uh, it's not really that old. But in terms of the premise and how women are depicted on screen and the whole kind of concept of the film, it's very, very uh, dated now. Every single female character is just basically there just to serve uh, Matthew McConaughey's tanned leathery corpse <laughs> he does look like someone stretched a, a, a fine piece of leather over um over a frame of something. <laughs> okay this is before the what do they call it the mcconaughey what do they call it the mcconaughey's mcconaughey's yeah before like he went skinny did uh, dallas buyers club and true detective etc yeah and he redeemed himself and now he's basically he is a proper a-list now isn't he yeah, I mean, I, you know, what he did, he did well. He always had this kind of, uh, this is how he started off as a romantic lead. And, um, well, it was the, le- the leaning phase that he had, where it was just basically every movie poster, he was leaning against another woman. Yes, yes. <laughs> Why was that? Why was he always basically <laughs> not able to stand upright whilst no. he's with a woman? He needs to, yeah. <laughs> he has to he's, lean. He's pushed along somewhere. He was just, yeah. It's because he's stretched so tight he, he can't yeah. possibly walk. <laughs> well, he just, he's worried about being pinged off into the distance. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so Emma Stone introduces his uh, his, his, his his genesis, I guess. I, I don't think this really sort of, I, mean, I suppose, in the same way as the first Ghost in the Christmas Carol, which shows the point in their life where they, they start making the bad decisions. It's, I mean, it's hard not to watch this film and think, is it a bad decision? I mean, is it really a life wasted? I mean, like we were saying earlier, um, the way... Women are depicted in the film are secondary. They're 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 set dressings more than characters. Uh, Jennifer Garner's character tries, I think, to break out of that because she appears resistant to his dick-like snake charms, and and their attraction and their relationship is based around you know a childhood friendship which has grown, and then you know she didn't he didn't ask her to dance. Then uh, later on they've met, and he, you know. She, She's the one that's kind of got away always. But, I mean, in terms of the life he's lived, is it a bad life? <laughs> well, it depends where you where you sit on the fence there. But basically, her intention is to, is to make him court her, right? And she's not prepared to, to just basically go out for a night out and then jump into bed with him because she yeah. sees she sees a lot there's a lot more to him right because obviously they have this history so she what yeah. she does is and there's that that uh, the the montage there is a it, montage there's yeah. a very quite quite a long montage of him with his long hair when they first sort of recouped their relationship and he's desperate to get uh, to get his end away with her but she basically makes him fall in love with her and even more uh, in order to sort of you know concrete or secure a relationship but he does eventually bone her, though, doesn't he? And then he goes to leave because that's what he does. He eventually does, but this, yeah, but this is after like a long courtship. She's not. Um, she holds out. She holds out, which is nice. And obviously, that's the right way, as we know. That is the right way. And then that's the phrase: you don't buy the cow when you get the milk for free. That's it. But he's spooning her. And uh, he has. There's something. There is. A, there is. A, there's a whole spooning thing in this film, isn't there? Yeah. Where he's like, "Oh my god! If I get spooned, then my powers will fade, and I'll yeah. never be able to bone again." He has that line, doesn't he? He says to the mother-in-law, "Why spoon when you can fork?" <laughs> 
he inadvertently mentions that his brothers slept with one of the bridesmaids. Oh, yes. Then, then there's a series of people telling each other that his brother has slept with one of the bridesmaids. And then eventually this gets back to the bride. And then the wedding's off. And it's all his fault. And I don't understand how it's his fault. <laughs> I don't understand this at all. Uh, because he was mentioned in passing. That there's at least five other people as culpable as he is. And they're all stood next to the bride still going, mm, yeah. he's a wanker. Well, the thing is, they're com- everyone's as much to blame for the, the, the wedding turning into t- turmoil as he is because they allowed him to stay I mean, the the alarm bells were ringing within the first half an hour of him turning up, rocking up. You could tell he was a prick. I don't know, because you know, even his nasty speech was... That was his opinion. He wasn't saying they shouldn't get married. He was just saying, listen, I don't particularly agree with the, 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 the priests. And then the, the ruination, the sort of uh, the storytelling about his brother sleeping with the bridesmaid, it, it, you know, he didn't go, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to fuck this wedding up. There was no malicious intent for him to, do you know what I mean, ruin the wedding. The seating plan would be a nightmare. I mean, like, who... I'd just put him on the the, the kids' table, I think. Well, he, That'd be the best place. Oh, uh, yeah, I'll stick him in the garden. The scene where he's, he hits on the um, mother-in-law, he doesn't know. Yeah. He doesn't know his mother-in-law is genius. I mean, he's leaking testosterone. It's, um, it's, oh, yeah. it's coming out of his ears and his eyeballs. And, but she's not. Uh, yeah, to 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 such an extent that like the they have the um oh, they call them in America what do they call them in America the, the groomsmen which in England would be ushers I guess yeah um and they're all inept like you know uh, twats uh, hopeless with women very very stereotypical but simply because he's in the area his testosterone leaks out yeah to such a degree that they they become awfully sexually attractive because you know they they people are going oh there's that guy i want to know now i want to fuck but i can't fuck him so i'm gonna go fuck anything that guy there he's the one i'm gonna fuck right now it's weird (laughs) i mean he may as well carry on what's what's the benefit for him settling down at 40 i mean you know he settles down finds the right person gets married that's two years you know Gets a nice cardigan. That's another year. Then um, a kid. And then he's having a kid at forty-five. And then you're like, you know, what's the point in that? <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. anyway, then it just become like Charlie Chaplin, don't you? Popping him out, and he can't. He's so old. Yeah, just popping out, hundred and one. But then he can take nice pictures of him because he's a photographer that walks into a room and pushes a button and then walks off again. Because that's what he does. Right. The other thing I had problems with this film is that, um, there. There was. Uh, it, the talk at the beginning of the film is that he, they hadn't had contact with his brother for so long. Barely, obviously, you haven't had contact with the brother. You'd assume that they haven't spoken much about um, his love for this woman, and 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 inversely, you wouldn't think that he's spoken to his brother's um, future wife very much at all. No, um, and yet he does. After she throws an absolute bridezilla shit fit um, about the fact that. Her future husband had a past. Yeah. Um. You know, they were not talking about cheating. I don't think. I don't think there's any reference to cheating the with the the bridesmaid. It was simply that he had in the past slept with her. Um. Yeah. Then then part of the redemption scene and trope that we have in the uh, rom com is that he you know Matthew McConaughey's Connor runs after her and and then um gives this big long spiel. About how, yes, they should get married and mm. that how, you know, he's the right one for her and she's the right one for him. And I can only assume this is based on fuck all. <laughs> I mean, yeah, this, yeah, he yeah. knows nothing about these people. She doesn't come across as a very nice person. He might have been right all along and they should never have got married. Well, she is um, very bridezillary, doesn't she? She comes across as being very controlling and manipulative. Yeah, and you see, I mean, and bearing in mind, this is, you know, this is. I would be thinking to myself, rather than going, hey, listen, calm down, come back, get married. I'm like, this is a woman that's looking for an excuse not to get married. Is it a jilting? Does it have to be at the altar or is it just the same day? When when is it a jilting? (laughs) I think you could probably be jilted a week before, couldn't you? Because it's set in stone. That's controversial. No, I think think a jilting has to be... Like if you're actually in the... I think you have to be dressed. I think that's, that's what... 
before that, that is just a breakup. Once you're dressed, to is there some sort of radius you need to be in in distance <laughs> radius of the church proximity, and then it becomes a jilting. As long as you know, as long as you know the criteria, then you can prepare the jilting in advance, can't you? If you don't yeah, want, you don't to, want to if be you... a jilter. And the whole middle section confused me, Chris. If I'm honest, I, I, I got confused with. I don't think he. I was. I was thinking to myself. I don't think he should change his lifestyle. It sounds good to me, and I, you know, I'm not sure these two people should get married. And I don't know if that have made it for a, a good end of a film. <laughs> Well, he'll just, he'll just um, the thing is, ultimately, he will end up like his uncle and die alone and, and uh, sad. Was he sad, though? Well, his he uncle says he was, ultimately, when he, he says, I, you know, I, I, I'm here to tell you that the, the existence I led was empty and I'm um, unfulfilled and I have never, you know, not ultimately never been happy. Oh, yeah, okay. He does all, all right. that in the toilet, doesn't he? And he has another like couple of chats yeah, with him. Yeah, whilst he's having a pee. Never was seen. he really there? Was this just some sort of weird psychological breakdown by Matthew Hogganagay's figure in this? What do you think by he's... Connor. Yeah. This is Connor's mental breakdown. <laughs> so it's a very much like Fight Club. <laughs> yeah. Frank Burton does this podcast called Ragbag, and it's really different. But if, if you're in the mood for something different, I, I would listen to that. Welcome to Ragback. My name's Frank Burton. Kind of one part comedy, two parts kind of awesome DJ music hour, and just all parts a little bit strange. I have a thing about corrugated metal. Yeah. Corrugated metal. That's a good one. It's weird. It's a weird podcast. I adore it. I adore it. I found it very funny. I think I used the expression glorified pickpocketing scam. Anyway, sorry for the confusion. I hope we can let sleeping dogs lie and perhaps you can ask your lawyers to stop writing me threatening letters. Thank you. Pick up the rag bag! Pick up the rag bag! Enjoy the rest of the rag bag there's an interesting tidbit of information here about how this film Ooh. was potentially going to um, pan out because uh, uh, Walt Disney Pictures were originally um, attached to it and Ben Affleck was uh, the main lead or, or right. um, lined up for the main lead and Kevin Smith was was uh, the director of choice. So I'm just thinking... That's weird. But would, this, would it have been the same kind of film? Yeah, well, it, the production had begun... In 2003, basically the studio pulled on it because of the failure of Giggly, which was um, Ben Affleck's rom-com with his then wife. God, uh, what's her name? Jennifer Lopez. That one, yeah, that one was awfully panned, wasn't it? And was terribly panned everywhere. Yeah, but they they canned or, or cancelled the filming a month prior to shooting based on uh, Giggly's performance and and critical. <laughs> They were looking at Warren Beatty, Robert De Niro, Bill Murray, and Jack Nicholson for the part of Uncle Wayne, who was uh, then obviously um, Michael Douglas took that role. But I'm just thinking, it had had that panned out differently, we'll, we'll probably been with Kevin Smith in director. That would might have been a comedy closer to sort of like a, a piss take of the um, Christmas, Carol. Christmas Carol. Scrooge. Scrooge. Or, it would have, maybe it would have been a yeah. uh, like a Scrooged mock-up. Yeah, I just I just think they missed a, a big trick because it's the thing you know Christmas movies get pulled out every fucking year and yeah. there's not that many to choose from really. I mean, although the casting choices that they ended up with in the studio and the director, I mean, in terms of that pedigree and what they were doing, isn't that bad? If you want to, re- oh. if you're going to replace Ben Affleck with uh, Matthew McConaughey, you know, it's not the worst thing in the world you could be doing. It's, it's a sidewards move at, at worst. It's yeah. not <laughs> a downgrade. I don't no. Think. Do you know how much money this took? This one. Yeah, it took a load. <laughs> um, it took 102 million pounds. Uh, dollars, wow. sorry, cumulative worldwide. I don't. It doesn't have the uh, the thingy bob. But I can't think that there's a huge uh, cost to this film. So um, it made a fuck ton of money. I don't think it would have cost a great deal because it was shot in about two locations. 
Yeah, it would have been. Yeah. Uh, and it was all um, shot in the same um, state, apparently. I think it was Michigan, if I read, if I read my memory serves me correct, which is a lot more information than I usually know and bring to these podcasts. <laughs> There's a lot of information. I did see one uh, trivia fact on IMDb, which I kind of liked, um, and it's the, uh, it's the reference to Terminator, because uh, his name's Connor. Yeah. And um, where he does his first kiss with uh, Emma Stone's character, it's in uh, Kripke's basement, um, where uh, John Connor said in the Terminator 2, 3, Rise of Machines, that's where he first ma- made out with Kate Brewster <laughs> only days before Jesus. Thing arrived. So there's, yeah, so it's the same basement that John Connor and this and uh, same Harlan Kay's character was Connor in it. And it was, it was purposeful um, because the director's a big fan of the Terminator films wow he's just so desperate to get some sort of terminator <laughs> reference into his rom-com <laughs> just jesus christ in, so should we should we just cap it off in terms of the plot yeah because i don't think a great um <laughs> essentially if you think about the tropes of um a christmas carol there is an equivalent situation in this movie right so, is, yeah. so the whole kind of waking up after the dream sequences and putting his head out the window and seeing a small boy and saying you 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 what day is it today you boy here's a here's some money get me the fattest goose you. Um, <laughs> that sort of thing it that doesn't happen does it he just he says it's something similar but there's he no does, goose yeah, he involved. doesn't tell him get a fatted goose he's just sort of like <laughs> hey kid what day is it? And he's like, da da da. It's like, yay, the wedding's still on or yeah. something. Anyway, and it, yeah, it was a nice little throwback. But again, it just set it at fucking Christmas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and then throw some snow in there. And then you got a film that someone's, someone's going to watch every year. Yeah. And you're going to make more money on this film. More um, money. He saves the wedding by doing a very long, uh, heartfelt speech to the, to the, uh, to the wife who's legged it, who's being driven off by her dad uh, with the bridesmaids in the back. Um, and then they have a nice, they have a nice wedding. It's a bit, it's a bit uh, out of the ordinary because uh, obviously everyone's gone home because they were told to, but then I suppose they will come back again, I guess. I don't know. They don't really explain what's happened because no one's told the guests anything. Um, and then um, he ends up with uh, Jennifer Gardner's character. Obviously, we know this. It's signposted. I mean, once you kind of know... It has to happen. Yeah, yeah. If, if, if there's no, there's no. Well, once su- you see Matthew McConaughey leaning on someone on the cover, you know they're, they're going to end up together. exactly. It, it did, it did surprise me um, in that sense, but um, like because I expected the, you know, the exact formula because you know it wasn't rated very highly. We wouldn't be watching it if it was meant to be a good rom com, uh, and even good rom coms tend to face, you know, go through the same thing. Um, I did not expect a Christmas Carol remake set in a wedding in the summer. Um, I have to say, but then, you know, then, like I say, they, they do shoehorn in the romantic comedy necessaries of redemption and then finally getting together again. So it was a little surprising, but then ultimately disappointingly back to normal again. Well, he gets a couple of wake up calls and halfway through, I've got another clip to play you about, I mean, maybe how maybe he changes his mind in terms of his, you know, his future or his path he's currently set on, which is when he's the ghost of girlfriends present, if you like, and he's a ghost in the room. Hey, look at how much fun they're having now that you're gone. (laughs) Not shallow. Shallow. Honey, he spends every Christmas alone Uh, at the Knicks game. Yeah, he is all surface. Yeah, but in his defense, it's really hot surface. (laughs) Okay, he's not that bad. Thank you, Polly. Paul, he hit on your mother-in-law. I banged worse. Thank you, Vonda. So what do you think about the performances? Is there anybody that's kind of thinks d- does all right in this film for you? Um, no, but then again, you know, they're not really given scope to. I mean, this is to say the the the, the pre um, Mahona, what was it? Mahona Hay? Mahonescence. The Mahonescence. It was so. pre Mahonescence. So yeah. Yeah, um, unfortunately, he was, um, you know. It, before this, before the Mahonans, uh, we we didn't really know whether he could act or not, and then suddenly we know that he can and he can do good stuff. And then, so then you look at stuff like this and realise he was trapped 
very much similar to a, a mime artist <laughs> in the street, just, you know, um, banging his hands against invisible walls. Maybe this is another sort of timeline in, in uh, Interstellar. And he's trying to, he's desperately trying to communicate to himself not to be an asshole using gravity uh, behind the bookshelf. I think that's what's going on here. That would be a great concept. If, if there was some way of Interstellar just tied together all of Matthew Honohay's films from, <laughs> from Fool's Gold all the way through to Ghost of Girlfriend's Past, just all yeah, lovely stitched together. Michael Douglas does okay. I mean, for, I mean, he's just basically having a bit of fun, isn't he? Yeah, it's one of those paydays, isn't it? Just turns up, puts some sunglasses on. Emma Stone is uh, quite funny, I think. Yeah, she does all right. Yeah, I mean, th- th- no one does horribly in this film in, in terms of acting. You don't see anyone and go, ooh, they're awful. But um, the women are, are, are represented pretty hideously. They're just bras, aren't, aren't they, they, mostly? Yeah. And I guess we can take that away from just saying this is a, this this film would not happen now. And and that's probably that's a good thing to take away from, from everything. <laughs> I asked for some comments on social media and I got a few people uh, responding and i just read out a few. Uh, Nick Oak on Facebook says, one from McConaughey's leading period um, before his reconnaissance. This is from Benjamin Hallford on Facebook also. I don't know what's creeping me out more. This is about the poster, by the way. The way that Jennifer Garner could easily strangle or break uh, Matthew McConaughey's neck with the pull of that scarf or tie um, and the weird face uh, on the poster. I think it's it's just quite that, that kind of... Um, tanned photoshopness that's going on on that poster is pretty typical toby little for contrast on facebook says i find it kind of fun i can't help myself guilty pleasure which is fair enough jason butler on facebook a dreadful film the last days of (laughs) mahogany's misogyny wrapped up in a dickensian yeah, no. Wrapped up in a Dickensian parable. However, Emma Stone is good fun, like Fairy in Scrooged. Yes. Yes, I like the punchy Fairy in Scrooged. A lot of people saying it was like an insult to the source material, but I don't think anyone's going to be too bothered or worried about no, that. No, Charles Dickens has made his cash. He don't care no more. We like to try and do some collaborations nowadays with our uh, friends at Britpop scene as we're part of that uh, collection of excellent British podcasts. Um, so I've got a, a review from uh, James from the uh, Bottomless Pit podcast. Um, this is his interesting take on the film. On the surface, Ghosts of Girlfriends Past is an unimaginative cross between Alfie and A Christmas Carol, in which Matthew McConaughey stars as Connor Mead, a Patrick Bateman-esque womanizer who ends up going on a journey of self-discovery as he is visited one night by three ghosts, the ghosts of girlfriends past, present and future. In one scene, Mead is confronted by a room full of ghosts of the hundreds of girls that he has slept with throughout his life in a string of quickies, one-night stands, and indecent proposals. And while this scene shows the audience the extent of Mead's womanising, no attention is paid to the fact that his character doesn't seem to be under federal investigation into why all of these women with whom he's had contact appear to have prematurely died. I mean, that's the only way that they could all be ghosts, right? Otherwise you'd have to be suggesting that this film doesn't make sense. No, I think this film is actually a lot darker than it might appear on the surface. Sure, superficially it's a poor rom-com full of characters that are shallow, not likeable, and appear to take absolutely no responsibility for their actions, but if you look a little deeper, you start to see the tale of a womanizer with a sordid past and a string of beautiful dead women. I did say he was Patrick Bateman-esque after all. Could it be that the big reveal of Ghosts of Girlfriends Past is that it is actually a rather sick and twisted sequel to American Psycho? Probably not, but it helped me get through it. I have got another couple of um, factoids. Do you mind? I never mind your factoids, Chris. In fact, I welcome them like I welcome the dawn in the morning. I love finding these little things. But here's one. There is no way... The Polaroid photo of Jenny could have physically fit in his wallet, the <laughs> wallet that Connor carries without being folded. I'll explain this in a second, but Polaroid photos cannot readily be folded, and the photo shown does not show any creases or folds. And this relates to quite an important, or two, two important scenes. That there's a Polaroid photo that's taken when the kid's on a swing, right? Yeah, his very first picture taken. Right, and then he reveals his picture 
at the end to, to Jennifer Gardner's character to basically say, look, I am a decent guy. Well, he promised he'd keep it forever, didn't he, when he, when he took it at six or whatever. And he did in his wallet, but it didn't crease. And he never folded it. No. Maybe he's just got a massive wallet. Yeah. Well, there you go. Has that been considered? Possibly not. But anyway. Huge, huge <laughs> wallet. Like a book. <laughs> this is another good one. I think you'll enjoy this one. When Connor's iPhone rings during the rehearsal dinner, he answers it and talks, but it's upside down during the entire conversation. <laughs> How can you not see that as a, either a director or as an actor? Just to go, oh, hold on. My phone's upside down. Should we do that again? Nah, fuck it. No one cares. Move on. How can this get through like continuity people and everything like that? Surely someone should stop something on on set I think it's one of those I think it's you know it's, it's like many things in life it's like you know sometimes I like I like to make a nice dinner yeah know? yes and when I'm making a nice dinner when I, I cut the peppers I make sure I do them all <laughs> nice the same size <laughs> and then I I do it with the onions they're all the same size and then, and then sometimes I just make myself beans on toast and I just I don't care if the beans are different sizes it's like that innit <laughs> <laughs> this is beans on toast, yeah. isn't it? This film. This is not a, a paella. No, this is yeah. This, yeah, this is this isn't fine dining. This, there's no micro herbs adorning the top of this as no. uh, an exemplary garnish. This is simply yeah, it, simply someone's microwave something and then gone to tear off the film and only the corner <laughs> of the film has come away. Yeah. And then, you, then you're left stabbing <laughs> relentlessly at your. Your over hot dinner. <laughs> Imagining that the uh, the polar polar theme covering is this film personified in a in a ready meal. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's... I just hack at the edge. You try and make a neat job of it, but eventually you don't care, and you just basically suck out the uh, macaroni cheese from the, the, oh, the gap that's available to you. I like when they say, "I love the directions." It's like Pierce film lid. It's like not massacre. Film lid. This is like <laughs> it's a fine line. There's no, yeah, it never tells you how many exact holes should there be. Should you be using a three prong fork or four prong fork? Can I can I pierce with a knife? Yeah. How I'll, big should my piercings be? How close together should they be? Yeah, I mean it's never. What's the tension at the top? It's, never enough instruction. It's not specified. I don't think that's a failing. But I, mean, like, I think microwave food's probably absolutely fucking gorgeous, but no one's ever managed to do it right. No one's cooked it properly. But of course, everything, <laughs> every microwave's got like different settings, like different wattages and things like that. So it's confusing. <laughs> well, I, that's like this film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'm glad that we had that conversation. It's um, yeah. it's enriched the podcast again. <laughs> So, should, should we get to our favourite uh, part of the podcast and read some reviews out? It's the reviews. I did that and I, I moved my head past my microphone in a sort of... Stereo way. Drive-by. Yeah, drive-by. If someone's got a decent sound set up yeah. with left and right ambient noise, yeah. it would be like I've just run past them. Oh, it's like so, Dolby sound. Yeah. And then I do, I do front to back as well. Hold on. It's the review. There you go. So now I was like, I've just flown over the top of their head. <laughs> that's fucking weird. I always think that's weird. That bit Bearing down. You know, they've been in cinema where they have the, the thing where they go, this is real sound. Yeah, yeah. I don't ever really feel any different when they do that. I don't go, oh, no, I just, behind I, me. I'm always thinking, just, just hurry up and play the fucking film. Yeah, I've been in there for half an hour yeah. already. And also, fuckers. the other thing I say is it's it's bloody loud. It's loud, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. um, and I've eaten so, all the snacks and the film hasn't started. Just be more patient with my snacks, but they're always so tasty. Oh, yes. No, you have to eat everything before it actually starts. Like, <laughs> like a seven-year-old child. Yeah, but and also just that of sheer politeness, I find. Because, you know, you get everything's in wrinkly packets these days. Uh, and I always find that, you know, when I thrust my hand and it's during a, a silent, sympathetic bit of the film, and all of a sudden it's just like, and darling, there's one thing I must say before I die. <laughs> and all, 
But the other thing as well, because you're you're um, uh, compromised with your tiny hands, aren't you, and your small fingers? So you can't. <laughs> it's not tiny hands. It's a it's a tiny mouth. It's my. Issue. But I thought you had small fingers as well. Was that Donald? No, I got I got fat fingers. Uh, I just thought. Well, didn't you used to say that you had triangle Stumpy. triangle fingers? Yes. Yeah, I have fingers. That <laughs> you're like a Toblerone hand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, if I put my hand up like that, it's like it's like looking at a tobacco <laughs> in the distance. So, so when you're reaching into the crisp bag, it's very difficult. You haven't got a great deal of you know dexterity to grab a crisp. <laughs> I, I can't I can't do I can't take Pringles in because I can only eat the first third <laughs> of the tube. Then after that, I, my hand won't go no further. You'll just end up tipping the tube down anyway, wouldn't you? Yeah, you know. then I end up just covered in Pringle crumb. <laughs> The dusting of cheese and chive. <laughs> cheese and chive. <laughs> Snorting it off the anyway, front row. Um, it's the review. So what have you got? Uh, have you, do you want to, I don't think because we've we've um, killed the movie literally ourselves, we could probably find some good reviews on Tinternet. Tinternet's got some, yeah. I mean, there was 115 reviews for this on IMDb, six of which gave it 10 out of 10. Yeah. Um, only one of which caught my eye. That's the one I'm going to read out. The title of the review is An Awesome Film with No Less Than Three, Count Them Three, Exclamation Marks, um, by Pumpkin Man. Ooh. Today I had a quadruple feature at my theatre. I saw this along with Drag Me to Hell, <laughs> Night at the Museum, Battle of the Smithsonian, and Up. Hold on. That's a right. fucking roller coaster. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, a quadruple feature. Now, uh, were these films just on at the like at the same time, and he just went from one film to another, or did someone curate these as a what? What possible connection to Drag Me to Hell? No. Night at the Museum, Battle of the Smithsonian, which I think is the third yeah. Night at the Museum film. Up. And Ghosts of Girlfriends Past. There's no connection. Not one. I mean, what's that? Two, four... That's eight hours. He sat in the cinema watching... I mean, Up's good. Up's he's good. Drag Me to Hell's all right. Yeah. And Night at the Museum is, you know... And then and then this. Oh, anyway. Um, I thought this was a really good romantic comedy because I'd gone brain dead, I can imagine, and just, you know, popcorn crazy and had a great storyline. Connor Mead is a ladies' man and wants nothing to do with marriage. When he goes for the younger brother's wedding, the night before he meets his original girlfriend, Jenny, who doesn't want anything to do with him. That night he is visited by three ghosts who show him his relationships he's had in the past, present and not too promising future. Unless Connor changes his ways, he'll end up alone and no one loves him. I highly recommend and then in capital letters, ghosts of girlfriends past. And then he reverts back to his three exclamation marks again. Who watches four films in the cinema? Imagine the crutch smell. After <laughs> Jesus four Christ. It, it'd been like he'd been sat on a pile of gorgonzola. It's been <laughs> awful. Um, I pulled one out of uh, YouTube. Um, again, it was a lot on YouTube. Um, but this one's, this one's nice. Mm-hmm. This is a very refreshing movie to watch in today's foolish feminist climate. Oh, <laughs> and that was by Bill Barnack. A oh. mere five months ago. Oh. That down. Good on you, Bill. I've got an interesting yeah, one. Um, this is uh, the review's been given a. Well, this review has given it 10 out of 10. Uh, the review is called Ghosts of Girlfriends Past Review. And I think it's written by I Love Arrested Development and Freaks and Geeks. Uh, about two months ago, my friends and I rented this movie and we only watched the first five minutes of it because my friend got bored, so we took it out and watched another movie. Once they left, I decided to watch it by myself since I spent $5 on renting it. I wish my friends and I had watched the whole thing because it was one of the best movies I've ever seen, like literally. I'm not really a big fan of Matthew, but I thought he did an awesome job on here. I think the movie should have won a lot of awards, and I can't believe uh, it got nothing. I give it 10 out of 10. Go see it now. <laughs> so, the thing I like about that voice message is it started off as a uh, sort of female New Yorker, ended up a bit Woody Allen. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, 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 I gotta, you gotta see this film outside. Totally great. What, I mean, why, what, why do we have to do this all the time? I mean, just, you know, just, just talking. That's, that's all we're doing. Just talking. It's like insatiable. I, I got an appetite for these sort of shitty <laughs> rom-com movies. So, you know, I can't help myself. <laughs> so yeah, so for the for the next podcast. Uh, I believe it's my choice. Yeah. So we're go- we're jumping back to uh, the comic book uh, superhero uh, uh, spectacular. Not quite sure which one yet. We might Twitter vote it. We might just announce on Twitter which one it will be. Um, but we're, we're going to go with something big and recent. I feel. Well done. Well, listen. If you fa- if you fancy um, getting involved with the conversations, discussions, and you've made it this far into the podcast, congratulations. This is the extra bit at the end, which is where I plead. And this is where this is where we hand out the prizes and the money that no one ever hears. Yeah, when well, we yet yet to give anything away. Um, but yeah, our Twitter handle is at uh, movie underscore bunker. We have a Facebook page, which is uh, the Movie Bunker Podcast. Just search for that. Um, we are on um, Instagram as well, which, uh, so we can you can share your thoughts and get involved in any of those forums or, or platforms for social media. And uh, you can listen. Yes. You can listen to us. You're listening to us now, but if you so wish to listen to us on other platforms, we we are on iTunes, we're on Podbean, who are our hosts, and you can get us on uh, Spotify as well, and anywhere else you've got an internet browser. So get involved. Yeah, uh, people are on Google Play as well. And the other thing I'd ask, if you can, if you like the podcast, then leave a review. Leave a five-star review. Would a five-star review? <laughs> a five-star review is is helpful. Uh, if you don't like it, then then don't comment. Just fuck off. Yeah. You don't... <laughs> Just, yeah, if keep, it, you, keep your pain to yourself, mate. If it's not... You don't want to hear about it. <laughs> if it's not for you, then just don't write anything because, no, you know, if you've got nothing good to say... Or DM us, that'd be it. If you don't like it, just DM us with some, uh, with some, you know, uh, constructive criticism. But, you know... Yeah, slide into the DMs. The public networks. Um, but slide yeah, into the DMs. If you, if you leave a five-star review, then actually it does help us get spotted by other... Other, other listeners and things like that. Is that that's it for this episode and we'll catch you up soon once we got our superhero uh, capes fluttering in the wind. Um so see you then. So goodbye. Goodbye. And Oh, yeah, uh, goodbye. <laughs> from from Chris twice. I don't know what was wrong with the first goodbye Chris, but never mind. It's a delay. Know. There's a delay. Feel your fucking boots always a perfectionist. <laughs> you know me. <laughs> Cheerio. <laughs> Bye. Whatever it is we look forward to and whoever it is we're chasing, to that I say amen. To that I say all right, all right, all right.